Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week we're talking about Richard Wagner's Die Valkyra. Eric, the second of the uh, four operas in the Ring Cycle, which debuted in Munich in 1870, I believe. Yes. This is a continuation of the story that was begun in Das Rheingold. Right. And as we said with, with Das Rheingold, it's sort of the, the prologue. It sets up the rest of the ring cycle. It, it introduces all the main characters and all the main musical leitmotifs so that Wagner can then take these motifs and do you know, really fascinating, complex things with them. And Die Valkyra is where we really start the, you know, sort of the ring proper. This is where it all really kicks into high gear. So some of those musical motifs in Das Rheingold, does Wagner carry them over into Die Valkyrie? Absolutely. And what he can do is he can, he can in, in Rheingold, you hear them in their long form, their full form. For instance, the Valhalla motif we hear very early on when, when Wotan appears and, and you see you know, his castle in the background. Now we'll hear the Valhalla motif, but it's now associated with Wotan. So anytime we hear that, we think of Wotan. And Wagner can take snippets of it. He can take little snatches of it and, uh, and combine it with something else. Ironically, he can do all kinds of things with it. Central to this particular piece is the story of Siegmund and Sieglinde. Yes, whom we meet almost instantly in the first act. And Sieglinde is living in this, this wonderful house that has been built around a tree. Yes. And she's married to the warrior Hunding. Yes. But Something of not... a lout. <laughs> Let's be honest. She's, but she's not happy in that marriage. No, she certainly is not, because she, she did not enter the marriage willingly. How does Siegmund come to be there? Just by happenstance, he was fleeing... Uh, pursuers. He had he had done battle uh, with a clan. He didn't know who they were, but they but he was I think he was defending someone's honor, and uh, and did battle with them. And it was just him against you know a whole horde of warriors. And he fled into the night, and he saw this this hut and just stumbled in exhausted to the point of uh, collapse. collapse. Mm-hmm. And it just happens to be Sieglinde's uh, home. So she shows him due hospitality, and she gives him a, a horn of mead to drink. Yes. To, uh, to, to help sort of revive him, etc. And almost inevitably, they begin to fall in love. They have a strange attraction to one another that they can't quite explain. They are then interrupted by the arrival of Sieglinde's husband, Hunding. And you, you'll hear his, his theme in the Wagner tubas. It's a very staccato, martial uh, theme that announces his arrival. And Hunding is a very stolid, very gruff character who clearly is not at all that happy to find somebody in <laughs> his home Another he wasn't man expecting. In his, right. But he honors his host's duties and allows Sigmund to stay. And they Well, what also transpires is that Hunding is one of the people that was chasing Sigmund. Well, as we find out, yes, yeah. Hunding asks Sigmund who he is and, and you know how he came to be there, and Sigmund you know tells the story, and it, lo and behold, it was Hunding and his relatives that were chasing Sigmund. He says, "You can stay the night, but in the morning we fight." Yep, yeah, exactly. How does Sigmund react to that? 
Well, and Sieglinde, how does she react? <laughs> Sieglinde, most more and most importantly, Sieglinde allows Hunding to to go to bed, and she brings him his nightly mead. And what she does is she slips him a Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> they had those back in Wagner. They time. did. They certainly <laughs> did. She slips him a Mickey so that he falls uh, in a drugged sleep, and she comes out and talks to Siegmund, who has. He, he has a, a little monologue where he, he calls upon his father, Veilze, to help him in his time. He said, you, you told me in my time of need I would find your sword. And as he says that, <laughs> this light comes you know, through the, the ceiling and illuminates this sword buried to the hilt in the ash tree that comes up through the middle of Hunding's hut. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. <laughs> And this, of course, stimulates a, a sense of recognition in Sieglinde. Yeah. They still don't quite understand what it is that, that attracts them to one another. But as they begin to talk, they both you know, reveal things to one another. And basically, they realize that, oh, my gosh, they're, they're brother and sister. Uh-oh. However, <laughs> they realize this only after they have fallen deeply in love with one another. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't quite know what to say. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> exactly. So they they have they are doubly tied to each other. Yes, they are indeed. And inspired by this newfound love for his long lost sister, Zygmunt reaches up into the ash tree and pulls forth. The sword, the sword mm-hmm. which is called Notung. This is going to be what, what he fights Hunding with in the morning. Exactly. But first, you know, Hunding lying drugged in the other room, Zygmunt now has Notung. He has his sister, wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What do you call her? Yes. And, um, and they both flee into the, into the night together. Call her a wister. I guess that works about as well as anything, doesn't it? And they flee. They do. Act two, in comes Wotan. Yes. King of the gods, as we we met him in Das Rheingold, but he's older now. And Brunhilde. Yes. Brunhilde is one of the Valkyries. Yes. What are the Valkyries? The Valkyries are... Demigoddesses, whom Wotan begat <laughs> upon Erda, the earth goddess. Whom we have seen in yes, Rheingold. in Das Rheingold, we certainly did. Uh, there are nine of them. And he, he has the, the Valkyries uh, with Erda, and he had, as we discover, he is Velza. Zygmunt and Zieglinde's father. They don't realize that he's Wotan. They know him as Velza, which was a name he took when he wandered the earth in mortal guise. He's basically trying to... <laughs> this is create... his plan for world domination, it isn't is. it? It he's, is. He's trying, to, he's trying to have someone set right what he got so tragically wrong in Rheingold. Set right the world order because he... In his his greed for the gold and and his his brief ownership of of the cursed ring, things have gone tragically wrong for him, and so he's trying to set things right, and so he's trying to have children that will you know will will do what he could not, 
that is to say, set the world aright. But he keeps he thinks that he keeps getting it wrong. So here we have these Valkyries. How many are there? Nine. Nine. Brunhilde, however, is his favorite. Right. And what is their function? What is their divine function? Well, their duty is to collect fallen heroes on the battlefield and fly them via their flying steeds to Valhalla, to Wotan's fortress castle, whereupon uh, they will live out you know, their afterlife drinking mead and having beautiful maidens wait upon them and... In blissful happiness. And blissful happiness. But it's also, it's Wotan basically trying to marshal forces because he, he senses that thing, <laughs> things are going in a really bad direction and he, he, wants, he wants an army of, of heroes and, and goddesses, you know, surround, you know, warrior goddesses surrounding him. And that's what the Valkyries are. They, are. they are warrior goddesses. They wear armor and they have shields and spears. And This is where the, the, the image of the horned helmet comes This from. is where it comes from. Right. That's Brunhilde. So what is it that Wotan wants Brunhilde to do? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Shortly after we, you know, we see Wotan and we meet Brunhilde, and she comes in singing the famous Hoyo to Ho uh, that we all have heard, they're interrupted by Wotan's wife, Frika, whom, we, again, we met her in Das Rheingold. Right. She is the goddess of marriage, and she is really not happy about the whole Siegmund and Sieglinde situation. Sieglinde has run out on her husband to run off with her brother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, says Frika. <laughs> I guess if she's this Wister, he must be the Hother. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> but Frika's not happy. She is most assuredly not happy. And she knows that there's a battle coming up between Zygmunt and Hunding, and she wants Wotan to give her his solemn oath on his spear, which is his symbol of power, and he has runes carved into it that bind any, any oath he makes on it. Uh, she wants him to swear that he will withdraw his protection from Zygmunt thereby allowing Hunding to slay him in battle. And he sends off Brunhilde to execute this plan. Well, he makes her swear that she will also <laughs> not protect Siegmund in battle. And so, being a Valkyrie, she then appears to Siegmund to prepare him for death. And this, this scene is called the Todesverkundigung scene. And it's an amazing scene wherein she appears in all her godlike majesty before him and, and says, I am to tell you that you're going to die. However, I'm going to take you when you die to Valhalla. And uh, there will be wish maidens to fulfill your every wish. And there will be heroes. And uh, you'll see your father again. And he starts to really, really feel uh, some hope that, that, you know, maybe there will be a, a good ending to the story. And he says to her, will I see Sieglinde in Valhalla? And Brunhilde says, no, uh, her time is, is not yet come. She will not be in Valhalla. To which Zygmunt says, well, screw Valhalla. <laughs> if she's not going, I'm not going. I'm not going. <laughs> and he reaffirms his love for Zieglinde and goes so far as to say, if, if those are my only choices, then I will take this sword and I will kill her and then myself rather than, than lose her. This touches Brunhilde. Deeply. 
How does she react? She does something very bold. She does. She promises him her protection against her own father's wishes. She says, I cannot let you go into that battle unprotected. And she says, trust in me and I will, I'll get you through it. So Siegmund and Hunding meet for battle? Indeed. How does that play out? Not well. <laughs> they start to fight and Brynhilde appears in this you know, shining light and says, trust in the sword Siegmund. And immediately thereafter, Wotan appears and he shatters the sword. With his spear. With his spear. Mm-hmm. Upon which Hunding plunges his spear into Siegmund. Sieglinda screams. Brynhilde quickly runs to Sieglinda and says, quickly come with me, I'll save you. Let's get out of here. And gets her out of there as quickly as she can. Right. Wotan says to Hunding, go before Fricka, kneel before her, and tell her that I've done, I've done her bidding. And then he says, very dismissively, gay, go. And Hunding falls dead instantly. We come to Act 3, which opens with the glorious Ride of the Valkyries. Yes. One of the highlights of the score. And I think probably one that most people, if they've not seen or heard Die Valkyrie before, have never heard with the voices. Right. Because we've got eight voices in, in full cry in, in the course of this. And it is, it is thrilling. Uh, basically, the Valkyries are all convening on Valkyrie Rock. Uh, riding their steeds through the storm clouds, uh, getting ready to do their duty on the battlefield and gather the heroes. And a couple of them have some of the heroes already laying across their horses, and uh, they're sort of amused by the fact that the horses have, have been kind of uh, influenced by the spirit of their riders, and the horses are starting to fight with one another. Well, Brunhilde is still with Sieglinde. Right, and she comes late to the rock, right. and, uh, and she brings Zieglinda with her. Zieglinda is, is despondent at this point. She just really wants to die. Her beloved Zygmunt is gone. She certainly doesn't want to go back to Hunding. She just would rather die. But Brynhilde says to her, nope, you need to live because you are pregnant. <gasps> <laughs> you have a hero, a Veilzung, uh, uh, that's what they call Zygmunt and Zieglinde were Veilzungs because they're children of Veilze. So you have a Veilzung, you know, within you, and he will become the greatest of heroes, and his name will be Siegfried. Oh, we're looking forward to... We are looking forward. To the third of the... And so cycle. you must survive to save your child, at which point Zieglinde lights up and in this glorious arching phrase, gives gratitude to Brynhilde, and, and, and it's a leitmotif that we need to remember because we'll hear it at the very end of the ring cycle. However, Brunhilde still has something to sort out with Wotan. Or well, Wotan still has something yes. to sort out with Brunhilde. Yes, he does. And, and they hear the, the thunderclaps announce his, his arrival, and, um, you know, Brynhilde hurries away with Sieglinde. They're, they've determined that there is a, a forest in the east where this dragon lives that nobody goes to, not even Wotan. And she can hide there and have her child. The dragon is, of course, Fafner. The <clears throat> giant from, from Rheingold, Rheingold, who has transformed himself via the Tarnhelm into a dragon to guard the rest of his treasure. He was the one that fought with his brother, Fasolt, 
killed him. Yes. To get the ring. Right. This is the beginning of the curse working itself out. Exactly. Right. That was in Rheingold. How then does Wotan deal with Brunhilde? Well, first he disperses all the rest of the Valkyries. And he says to Brynhilda, you disobeyed me. You have, you've betrayed me. And you must be punished. And so his punishment for Brynhilda is to put her in a magic sleep on top of the Valkyrie rock. And whoever finds her and kisses her to awaken her has her as a bride. And he, at the same time, he strips her of her divinity, of her godhood. So basically any schlub that wanders across her <laughs> can have Brynhilda for a bride. And she pleads with him and she says, I beg you, don't leave me to such an ignominious fate. At least surround the Valkyrie rock with, with the magic fire so that only the greatest, most heroic man alive could possibly get through that magic fire and win me for his bride. And you can't help but wonder if she's looking forward because she knows that Sieglinde has gone off to give birth to Siegfried. Right, right. <laughs> so She's arranging her own marriage. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> to her nephew. <laughs> Keep it in the family. Yeah, exactly. So Wotan does agree to it. He says in this amazingly poignant, beautiful uh, farewell, Wotan's Abschied, which, is, which means farewell. He bids goodbye to his favorite daughter, kisses her on the eye, and she falls into a deep sleep, a magic slumber. He then invokes Loga, the god of fire. Who we saw in Das Rheingold. Who we saw in Das Rheingold. We don't actually see him in, in his corporeal form, but the magic fire springs up and surrounds the Valkyrie rock, and uh, Wotan leaves his daughter to her fate. So last week, you know, when we talked about Das Rheingold, we talked about the light motifs and how Wagner uses the orchestra as an omniscient narrator. Mm -hmm. At the very end of Die Valkyrie, there's this amazing thing, uh, and this is just one of hundreds of examples throughout just this opera alone. But in the very f closing bars of Die Valkyrie, you have the magic slumber motif in the strings, and you have the magic fire motif in the high piccolo. And the magic slumber motif is going da 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 And then you get the fate motif layered on top of those. And the fate motif is just three notes, and it just goes da da da. Except here, for the first time, because you've heard it throughout Die Valkyrie, here, you only get the first two notes. It goes da, da, and then the magic slumber and the fire motifs come in and interrupt it and won't let it finish. And it tries several times, and they keep interrupting it every time. They won't let it finish. This is Wagner using his narrator, the orchestra, to foreshadow because Brynhilde is in suspended animation. She's in a magic slumber. And as long as she's in suspended animation, Fate is held in check. Fate can't go forward. It can't, it's held in suspended animation itself. So he's telling us she is the key. She's the one who's going to do everything that Wotan wanted to do. She's going to set the whole world order aright. She's going to make everything come out well in the end. But Wotan doesn't know it. 
Brunhilde doesn't know it. Nobody in the opera knows it, but we know it. She's the one to watch. She's the one to watch. Richard Wagner's Die Valkyra. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.